Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and on this podcast, I will be speaking to inspirational individuals who specialize in the field of physical and mental health to offer you the tools that you need to become a stronger, healthier, and more confident man in today's world. Hello and welcome to episode number 73 of the Modern Warrior Podcast. Today, I am joined by an absolute fucking beast, Damien Ryder, who is a multiple world record-holding adventure and extreme sports athlete, author, creator of One Breath Meditation, and global motivational speaker. He is recognized for his international humanitarian work and physical feats with two feature documentaries aired on National Geographic and as a TED speaker in Asia Pacific and the United States. His work and dedication have led him to become a globally respected wellness and mindset coach. He's always finding the positive in every situation in life. He has an undeniable resilience to keep moving forward. He continues to challenge himself, discovering what is possible mentally and physically and sharing his discoveries with others along the way. Damien Ryder, how are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you going? Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, absolute honor. Absolute honor. I've been uh, looking at your achievements and your accomplishments over the last while, and it's absolutely inspirational. Uh, I thought it doesn't even cut it. So, but of course, uh, there's a there's a big story behind all that too. And I understand you are fresh off the top of uh, hot air balloon just a week ago, wasn't it? So can you t- talk to us about that? How was how was that experience? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, so so May the 9th, I uh, set myself this new challenge. And so I, I went uh, about 800 kilometers south of where I live now to uh, to my hot air balloon guy. And um, yeah, I thought we'd do this challenge where I'd done it before, like in, in Memphis in uh, July last year, and I jumped off the top of a hot air balloon, but it was different. I started on the ground, and as it inflated, I kind of just rode it up, and then it took off with me already on top, and I just stood up and watched the sunrise and everything. It seemed pretty easy, and then got up to the top, had my like, parachute on that, that whole time as I rose up to the top, got to meditate, watch the sunrise and all that sort of stuff, and then uh, once we got up to about 7,500 feet, I took the running jump off but this time I just wanted to up it a little bit more like I've been overseas for the last sort of three years doing events and traveling around and you know coming back to Australia really want to do something here and so I thought I'd do a a similar thing except this time I went up inside the basket to 10,000 feet and then I made this like makeshift like rope ladder that went from the top of the balloon down to the basket and I thought I would just climb out and climb up this rope ladder for 42 meters to uh to the top of the balloon with uh, with no parachute on, so I had no parachute at all when I did that climb at 10,000 feet and got up to the top and sort of hung out for a little bit up there. And then my, I had my parachute strapped to the top and I put it on and then climbed and did the run and jump off again. So it was good. Like it was, you know, it was quite a test. You know, it was something different than I've done from my last challenges and I had to train in in a lot of different ways and I really started to um, I've been training for you know over 30 years of my life and coaching people and everything but 
this, it really just changed like how I look at training as well, you know, without uh, overtaxing myself for it. And, you know, just be on that time under load, under strain for that seven minutes of climb and uh, 21 meters of that was total overhang. So I was climbing this way, you know, like this as it went and then curved up. So there's a lot of just hanging on. So training specific just for that really. And then also at 10,000 feet, it was 30% less oxygen. It was minus one degrees. We're moving at 24 kilometers an hour going all along and up at the same time. So there's a lot of elements, obviously, I couldn't train for on the ground that I was going to experience for the first time up there, you know, and even just that movement of that ladder, you know, it's pretty hard to find somewhere where I can train on a rope ladder that length that's going to have that movement and that shift around it. So there was a few things just on like the first couple of metres of the climb that I really had to adjust to very quickly and calm myself down to be able to complete the climb, no worries, I mean, it's quite successful, so um, that's the main thing. Unbelievable, man. And obviously, this isn't the – well, not, it's obvious to me because I've seen your stuff, but uh, maybe not so obvious to other people. This isn't the first the first challenge you've, you've, uh, you've taken on and succeeded in. You've done a lot of stuff over the last while. Yeah, like over the last sort of eight years, we're going up to nine years now, you know, I've done uh, – yeah, try to mix it up with different disciplines of uh, challenges and always – something that no one's done before, you know, for me, I really got excited about that. Not on an ego basis, just, you know, if no one else has done it before, then I don't even know how it's possible to do. So I have to train myself and I can't really ask anyone how to do something if it's never been done before. Um, so that's what, that's what I love about it. And that's what excites me about it. And, uh, you know, like I've paddled for 800 kilometers in the ocean by myself for 17 days that was my hand so no support in the water or on the land that sort of kicked it off you know it's 21 shark encounters knocked off my board knocked unconscious underwater loss of food and water uh, i was sleeping on the beach digging holes in the sand just to sleep and be able to keep on going to i got to a destination and i could refuel up and put some more supplies on my board to be able to keep on going to to get to my destination and you know, that, that kicked off everything for me, you know, and has uh, set a new standard, a new normal, and a new sense of pride for myself of what I can accomplish as well, you know, and it really gave me the thirst to, to want to explore a lot more. And that's, that's not just exploring a lot more what I can do physically, but just mentally and emotionally and everything as well. Like, really just started to question everything. Like, I had, you know, I suffered PTSD for a lot of my life from child abuse and everything and, you know, went through all the you know, therapies and gurus and everything to try and overcome it. And, you know, I basically set myself this challenge, this paddle challenge to, to say, well, I'm, I'm going to find the answers because I keep, can't keep going around these spirals, you know, going out of control all the time. So I'll just find the answers or I'll die trying basically is how it kicked it off. And because I, you know, something special had happened to me in the ocean, I just really wanted to work that out, what that was, and then how do I bottle that, you know? So it wasn't just about finishing that 800 kilometers and going, shit, I've just cured myself of PTSD. And, but I just didn't know what had happened. Like I went quiet for, for about a month, you know, I pretty, pretty much isolated myself just in my local area, just so I could have time just to process what had happened in the ocean. You know, what was that? What, you know, where have those little demons gone and everything? So mm -hmm. that kind of led on to my next lot of challenges. And, you know, I went to Thailand. I did this, 
challenge that I knew was going to be something remarkable or it was going to break me and ended up breaking me. You know, I didn't finish it on, on you know, the, the third day. I set myself a three-day challenge of paddling around Phuket and then get off and run around. So, you know, paddle for 150 kilometres and go and run for 120 kilometres around. And I'd only ever ran for 20 kilometres in my life, you know, at one time before doing this. And in the hot Thai sun, you know, it's like 40 degrees and 98 humidity. It's like, it was crazy, crazy hot, big hills and everything around. And yeah, it just broke me about six kilometers before the end. I completely just shut down. I couldn't move and uh, couldn't even walk off the sidewalk into my friend's car. He had to drive his car up onto the sidewalk so I could fall in. I couldn't sit down. I couldn't walk, couldn't do anything. But it just completely shut down. And I was in so much physical pain. It was like unbelievable that I'd, that sort of side of things I'd never really experienced before as well, you know. But my mind was like, what? couldn't understand why I couldn't keep moving, you know. I might just keep walking. I'm like, I can't, you know. I just couldn't possibly walk. So it wasn't like a defeat at all. It was like more of a success because, you know, nothing negative of my past came up for me, you know, which was really important for me to, to understand that something in the ocean had happened to me, pretty remarkable. And then, uh, so I went back to where I was staying and had to sleep for about four hours, got up, I was slowly shuffling along, got my mate to drop me back to where I stopped and, and I completed the challenge. It was still in day three. So completed that. And that, you know, from the paddle and then from that, me going back out, I could just read all the messages that would come through on social media of people living vicariously through my challenges and showing them how to be able to keep on moving forward as well, you know, through this adversity that I was facing, no matter what was thrown at me, just to be able to keep going. And, you know, people were, were really resonating with that. So it was pretty hard for me to just go back to a normal life. So I just, um, yeah, just kept pursuing that and skateboarded Route 66 from Chicago to Santa Monica of 5,000 kilometres in 56 days and, that for me was about, you know, get, allow myself 56 days to really work out what had happened in the ocean. You know, what did I learn from it? And then how can I break that down and utilize these skills and these tools on every day of this 56 day challenge as well, you know, to be able to just keep moving forward calmly, you know, whether it was like I was going through tornadoes or downhills, coming off the skateboard, finding my route there or, you know, crossing the Mojave Desert at 55 degree temperature. And plus it was like adversity that was going on on the board and off the board with my crew who were like, you know, it was these endurance events that they're not for everyone, you know, and it's, um, a lot of people go into them for, you know, different sort of purpose and intentions than I might have, you know, and unless your mind's set to complete something no matter what, and it's pretty easy to give up once you start giving up on yourself. People usually project that out to other people in a negative way to get them to stop so they don't feel like they've stopped, you know. So that's what was happening to me. And, you know, so I ended up firing my crew like a few, day, like a few days before I hit the Mojave Desert. So I knew it was going to be tough and I just didn't need that extra negative voices going on in my head, you know. I just need to stay calm and and get through something that was super challenging that no one else had ever done before. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was sad that, you know, I had to get rid of them at the time, but the same thing, you know, it was the best thing I could have done because I started skating my skate of how I wanted to. And, 
you know, I got through that incredible section and uh, they kept telling me I was going to die on and everyone's saying, you're going to die, you're going to overheat and everything. You can only go 10 kilometres a day or you're going to overheat. I ended up skating 250 kilometres in 24 hours nonstop straight through there and you know, obviously I'm still here, you know <laughs> what I mean? So that did a lot for me, you know, of, of uh, you know, just really empowering myself and my belief and really believing in who I was and, and what I've got to offer myself and to everyone else as, as well and, and just really realising that, um, you know, we're not all on the same journey. We're all at different different stages of it in our lives and, you know, what might seem, you know, impossible let's say perceived as impossible for someone might be simple for someone else you know mm. so unless you're living that that life you know it's um i think it's about just trusting in yourself is what everyone really needs to do more so you know trust in who you are and if it feels right for you and your models and intentions and purpose are sitting right well you can't be wrong and if you do if you do something does happen and you do fuck up well you just own it that's yours you know, it's no one else's because that's what you wanted to do, but that's how you learn as well, you know. So after that, you know, that's what really excited me about just doing more, you know, and uh, just wanted to learn more and share more with people and, and find some tools for people. And now, you know, coming back, that was, that was eight years of traveling around doing that. And, uh, you know, I've come back. I'm at the start of my eight-year cycle, my next eight-year cycle. And, uh, you know, here I am just proving the effectiveness of what I've done and really having a great ownership of who I am, you know, and just doing things that I love to do as well. Yeah. It's, uh, and there's, again, there's, there's quite a, a story behind all this too, which we'll go into in a minute, but I'm just curious as to what happened in the sea there. And did you find the answers in terms of what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it started off, I mean, it wasn't a suicide mission that I was on, but I knew there was like a high possibility that I wasn't going to make it alive. You know, I was paddling across shark breeding grounds the whole way along, you know, the cramping currents, the everything, There's so many things that were going against me, including the current, you know. So, uh, you know, there was a lot that was going against me, but I didn't really think about those things. I kind of just took it as it, as it is and just knew that, they're out there, sharks are out there, things are out there, you know, you're either going to do it or, or don't even get started, you know. It was basically that. But also, you know, as we'll go into soon, you know, childhood was a little bit, you know, uncomfortable and, I, and uh, you know, I just sort of figured, well, whatever's going to be thrown at me in the ocean can't be as tough as I went through as a kid and I survived that. So let's just get in the water and start paddling, you know. So, so there was that, you know, but on the first sort of four or five days, it was like, you know, it was tough. I'd never done like an endurance event like, you know, there was no goals, ribbons, trophies, anything at the end of it for me. You know, it was just me doing something that I believed in, you know, for, for me and for my son as well. And, and uh, yeah, so just started paddling out and, you know, a lot of pain set in. Obviously, I'm paddling 15 hours a day nonstop. And, uh, you know, not coming in at all, just keep on going for 15 hours constantly like this day after day, you know, going through the heat and sunstroke and all that sort of stuff. And so a lot of uh, a lot of voices and everything were coming up in my head. A lot of scenarios were playing again and again and again and again through my head of my whole life. Obviously, I've got all this time on my hands, you know. There's only so much I can think about 
should I have a drink of water? Should I have a muesli bar? You know, that's only kind of two things, you know, or how far do I think it's going to be to that headland? You know, it's like, it was pretty basic. The, the, the simplicity of my thought process to go along, even though I was quite occupied out there, you know, uh, you know, do I go around here? Is that shark going to get me? Should I come in? But still it was quite basic in the sense of how we live our normal life on land, you know, with computers on our hands and everything else that's going on, you know, so that gets left behind. I'm just dealing with like, just what I need to right there and then, you know what I mean? Any debts I have, any this or any girlfriend problems or anything, they're, they're like got left behind and they'll, they'll come back when I reach my destination, I'm yeah. sure, you know, so but let's just deal with this now. So life was pretty simple out there. So there was a lot of, a lot of room for, you know, voices, scenarios, visuals, all just to run through my head, you know, of uh, every, pretty much everything, just being able to dissect. So things would just come in at like just normal, sporadically start thinking of things. And then later on in the day or the next day, the same things would come in and just get like the detail would just expand to really start looking at it. And then I'd started dissecting things out, just intuitively dissecting bits out of it. And then on the side, the next day it would expand again and I would dissect even more out of it and understand what I was learning along the way. But at the same time, you know, there was a lot of shit that I went through as a kid and, you know, there was a lot of pain that was in me as well. And it was creating more physical pain in my body just from the emotional pain and the mental pain and, and everything like the overloading of, of voices and everything running through my head. Just you can just imagine every single voice and every single scenario that you've ever encountered in your whole life is just a nonstop rushing coming up through you because there is no way to stop it at all. You know, like we do in normal life. So negative voices weren't exactly positive voices. They were quite negative and fearful voices. Yeah. I mean, both, you know, both. And it was just about, you know, it kind of, it, as tough as it was, and I was nearly in tears sometimes, but, you know, as tough as it was, like I was appreciative still at that time of all those negative voices that were finally coming out, you know, and I was finally being able to just have a look at it, you know, like it was like a movie was just playing in front of me the whole time I was paddling, you know, and but being able to really... It was kind of like a choose your own adventure, you know, like here's the scenarios, but hey, what part do I want to see out of this? You know, it was kind of being able to move move it around, you know, let's let's have a look at the negative side. Okay, now let's have a look at the positive side of it as well, you know. So really being able to pull the whole thing apart. And then like near like end of day four, I got stung by this jellyfish and I was hurting really bad and and uh, pretty much I washed up on the shore and I was all paralyzed and everything. And I was in so much pain and I went in and I was like, shit, you know, like, is this too much for me? You know, like take a cop to a bit of a beating and I was starting to wear down like a hole in my stomach from, from being on my board as well. And my knee is just blown out from being on the knee all, all the time. And, you know, so there was a lot that was sort of going against me and I went in and I thought, all right, look, Let's, because um, most of the time I was just kind of dealing with things as they were coming up and then just keeping on moving forward, you know, because there was a lot of things. So you don't remember as well, you know, by this time I'd had nine shark encounters and been knocked off my board twice and circled three times by 15 foot white point of sharks, you know what I mean, as well. And just me out there and keeping on going as well, you know, and do I have a drink of water now? You know, so it's kind of all that's going on, you know. <laughs> So I was quite busy out there, you know, even though I was just doing the same thing. 
But uh, yeah, so after I came in, I just, I thought, look, don't give up now. Just um, have a look. Take this time to have a look of, of what you've just done in the last four days and what you've just processed and what you've learned as well. And uh, let's take on another day. You know, let's give ourselves another day with this, but let's have a good look at this. And so I sat there, ate my two big roast chickens and then I uh, went to sleep and I woke up in the morning and it was like I hadn't even paddled anywhere before. It was, I was fresh. Um, there was no aches, no pains, no anything on my body as well. But the main thing was there was no negative feelings, you know, like it was just this beautiful overcast day and it was just like the water was just like an oil slick, just totally just smooth as little ripples on it. It was just absolutely perfect, amazing day. And uh, no wind, no nothing. And I got out and I just started paddling and uh, I got about five minutes into it and a white 15 foot white point had just come past me about 20 meters away. And I just said, g'day mate, and just kept on paddling. Like it was just nothing, you know, like it was a little Nemo or something going by. And, uh, you know, after, and it was about five minutes after that, I was like, oh, that's weird how I approached that, you know, it was very different. And then I started to have a look for the negative films that were running through my head, let's say, and I just couldn't find them. You know, they just weren't there. I couldn't have, couldn't find any emotional attachment to it at all. Like everything that I'd had on the first four days, it was just like completely gone. Like I couldn't even search for it. It was like, and I hadn't blocked it out or anything. Like I was really looking for it. Then I was just went, all right, this is it. And that's the day I just, everything changed, you know, from, you know, doing something that I started off that I wanted to be proud of and to raise awareness against child abuse to something that was just so much bigger than me and so much bigger than the paddle, you know? And yeah, so the whole narrative, I was going in the same direction for the same goal, but the whole narrative of why I was doing it completely changed, you know? And it was, like I said, it wasn't a suicide mission, but it was like, you know, I, I was willing to die for what I believed in you know, and to find these answers. But, you know, after day five, now I was living for what I believed in, you know. So everything was exactly the same as what I was doing. I didn't change the way I paddled or anything or the direction or anything that I was doing. You know, I didn't have anyone else there with me, but just that narrative change, you know, just flip that 180 switch around. And then from there, I mean, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned and it always comes up for me and it comes up stronger and stronger all the time even recently that that's come up for me but another thing as well like on that sort of fifth sixth day moving into it was you know i started to have a look at what it is and it was just you know i'd accepted what had gone on in my past you know and who i was and i accepted i couldn't change it at all you know and all those answers that, you know, I was looking for, they just didn't matter because it was never going to change what happened. It was never going to change what happened to me, never going to change what happened before I got in the water on this paddle. It was never going to change what happened the day before. It was never going to change the sharks. It was before. It was, nothing was going to change at all, you know. It was just up to me to go, right, this is me keeping on going. But also to be able to keep going, all it was was me and my hands. You know, there was no one at the back of the board. There was no one else there, like, supporting me, telling me to keep on going besides people on social media. You know, it was, it was completely up to me. There was support and there was some guidance from people. But ultimately, it was me who was getting to my destination, you know. And, you know, for me, that really resonated, again, like, more and more that grew of, of how important that is for us, you know. And I was just speaking about it with a friend tonight. You know, he's a little bit lost and 
you know, I was just saying those exact words to him, you know, like I can give you support and guidance, but ultimately it's up to you. You know, it's what you want to do and it's your goal and you've got to get yourself up and you've got to fucking give a shit about yourself enough to reach that goal. You've got to have that determination. No one else is going to do it for you. You know, for me, no one was at the back of the board. No one was telling me keep going. You know, that was something I believed in, I, I wanted to do. And no one was coming with me as well, you know, so not everyone's on that same journey as you are. Everyone's doing doing their own thing, you know, like people care, but, you know, ultimately they've got their own shit they've got to deal with as well, you know, especially now. There's a lot of stuff that's going on or has been going on, you know. A lot of people are struggling at the moment. So you can't expect other people just to, to dig you out all the time, you know. You've got to take some ownership of yourself and some responsibilities and be accountable for, for who you are and what you want to achieve as well, you know, without just asking for those handouts all the time, you know. I think it's great to ask for help and everything to get guidance, but you've got to know, like, you know, when to let go of that hand and uh, when it's up to you to keep moving forward. So, you know, that's, that's what ended up happening with me, like going on the rest of these journeys, you know, all these challenges, adventure challenges was all about just learning understanding that and and just going back to my intuitive ways and how we are as kids you know like when we're kids we've got like this thirst for knowledge and exploring and everything we're open so wide to it but we just get shut down so much we get this tunnel vision we get labeled we get put in boxes we get boundaries put around us and everything that encloses us down so we we're not seeing things as they are you know we're not seeing that bigger picture of everything and you know i think that's that's the most important for people to be able to see, you know, that, that bigger picture, that, that wider vision rather than, you know, that tunnel vision that's forward and that tunnel vision of an isolated incident backwards as well, you know, because otherwise that's our strongest point. If you open things up around you and open things up behind you and in front of you, well, it's a whole world up out there, you know, and then our problems are like this, they're nothing compared to what's going on, you know, the whole big picture of life, of our life, you know, like one incident or two incidents that happen or maybe is a year of our life, you know. Let's say we're going to live 100 years, one, one or two years of our lives, not much, you know, in comparison of what else we've got to live for, you know what I mean? And, and for me, that's kind of how I, how I looked at it, you know. For 36 years, I, I had these demons and these boundaries and everything shoved around me, you know, not understanding them. And it was just like after that paddle, it was like I was just reborn, you know. I was just me again to start being a kid and start exploring again of, of who I am and just do things that felt right for me, you know. Like listen to other people, they just go, right, okay, cool, and just go and do what I was going to do anyway. Yeah. You know? So just, um, that's why I kind of look it's, at it, you know, like that ownership of yourself. Yeah, uh, man, absolutely incredible stuff. And the the sort of sense that I get from all of this is that you were sort of, I could be wrong, but it's that you're seeking control for your own life. And maybe I know there's, uh, as I said, there's a big story behind all this. And then maybe it's a, a story where you felt like you're out of control, didn't have power over your life. And you, uh, you went through, what was it? Four attempts of suicide. And maybe when you, Again, I haven't been at that point myself, but you can reflect on it yourself in terms of what got you to that point, that there was nothing else you felt like you can control in your life and to end your life, at least that's something you can control. I have power over this. I can make this decision, but instead 
you took your surf, surfboard or your paddleboard and you went out to sea and you went paddling, but that was also a choice you made to take control back in your life. And you've maybe been doing that ever since. It's it's uh, maintaining control instead of allowing other people to dictate the terms for you, such as firing your team in the desert that time as well. It's like, no, 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 you're not in control. I'm taking control of this and I know I can do it. So see you later. You know, so is there is there something in that you believe? Yeah, look, look for sure. You know, it's... Uh... No, I mean it's it's a control, but it's it's more just an ownership of your life. You know, this is our life. We got to fucking live it how we want. You know what I mean? It's not not here just to live for, for other people. You know, this is I got to enjoy it as well. What I'm doing. You know, I'm here. I can't just be like struggling all the time. Like I work hard, and you know, I train hard, and 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 everything, and I've done my play hard as well. You know, and now it's just, you know, I know what works for me, and. And this is just what I do, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, a lot of things were programmed into me as well, you know, at a young age. So, you know, if we go into that, so look, I went through like violent um, child abuse and domestic violence in my house for years, years and years and years from my mother's partner and, uh, you know, physical, mental, emotional, sexual abuse and, and rape and everything that was going on and living in rock caves on the beaches and living on the streets at the age of six and running out of the house naked and freezing cold and, you know, trying to find clothes and, and everything, you know, like no money in the household, like would, you know, go and collect bottles and cans with my mum just to be able to put food on the table or pay rent and stuff. She worked in factories and, and, and like, uh, you know, clean people's houses and stuff, whatever she sort of could, could and, you know, I have to find other ways of, like, going to the rubbish dump and getting bits of bikes and putting them together and as a bike for myself to get around or to sell them or sell golf balls, sell frogs, do whatever, you know. But all this was at a young age, you know, from the age of, like, six to nine, you know, like, just had to grow up, you know. But at the same time, you know, I was uh, – you know, starting to go into being the person who I am now as well. Like, so I started skateboarding, so into extreme sports and I would skate from sun up to sundown. So there, there was already building up my endurance abilities that I utilize now as well. So I say I haven't done any, you know, anything like that, like a challenge like the paddle before, but essentially I was doing that every day of my life when I was a kid, you know, from skating, you know, for 15, 18 hours a day, non-stop, all around cities, all around streets and in parks and storm drains everywhere, you know, constantly going. So I was already building myself up to, to do that, you know. And um, and life had always just been like that. But also, you know, like I, I was trying to find myself because I didn't know who my father was and all that sort of stuff as well. So, you know, I, it was kind of lost as well and we didn't have like a family upbringing in the household and no role models no father figures no anything like that as well so it's really about trying to work out who i was as well you know so I tried a lot of different sports and you know excelled at them at every one that i did and made sure like you know i was the best at it because i felt like i had something to prove even though if I, my life was different to other people's but i felt like i had something to prove you know to myself and to others really you know mainly i guess it was for others you know and trying to have that that acceptance from other people, you know, without telling them what, what was going on at home, you know. So it was very, like, internal um, dialogue, a lot of internal dialogue that I was going through, you know, that, that inner critic just chattering away at myself, you know, what I thought I needed to do. And then once I got older, you know, I just started travelling around, travelling the world and everything and, you know, going to different places and just trying to see where I fit in because I never really felt like I fit in anywhere because of what was going on at home as well. And, 
you know, I knew I was different to, to what was going on with most of the other kids, you know, but, you know, in saying that's probably some of the kids I grew up with, like we're going through a similar thing, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not isolated, unfortunately, it's, you know, it's more rife than, than people realise and, you know, but because of that, you know, different jobs and everything and, you know, I created like so many different businesses as well and, you know, once I succeeded on them, I'd sort of drop them away and go into something else and everything. So all these things were like looked at as such a negative, um, you know, the, from having PTSD and trauma and everything, you know, the, the textbook, you know, errors that people make in, in their life from from ha- from going through trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So it's and it's always been looked at like such a negative, you know. And I go see all these therapists, and they would say all these things like, uh, you know, uh, you, you have to live through the trauma for the rest of your life, and all you can do is learn to manage it. You know, see those voices are fucking ringing in your head by these professionals who've been to the top schools. They got to know more than me about this subject, and that's why I'm going to them. That's why I'm paying them three hundred bucks an hour because they know more than I do. Right? And then, uh, so most of the time that I tried to take my life was because those voices rang in my head. I was like, fuck, I don't want to live like this for the rest of my life. I'm sick of my life spiraling out of control all the time. I'm sick of hurting myself and other people around me. You know what I mean? So, but it took a while to get to that. Obviously, you know, the thoughts of it. I think a lot of people may have had those sort of thoughts pop into their head, but they just don't act on it. But from the time they get act on it, then it's like opening a can of worms, then you've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it changes and it normalizes just that little bit more, you know. So, but before it gets to that point, you know, you're normalizing and thinking, well, fuck, this is like, this is my only choice really because this is shit. You know, I, I, I know within myself, I don't want to be living like this because this isn't like healthy at all. You know, this isn't how people should be living. This isn't how I envision my life to, to be as well yet. Here I am at 22 and I'm still like this. I'm still out of control, still haven't sorted my shit out, you know. Like, is it ever going to get any better, you know. So, but once it sort of happened, then it's happened and it's like it can happen a bit easier, I think, as well. You know, you can justify it a little bit more that, okay, look, I'm, it didn't work the first time, right, but I'm going to have a good crack at life again, you know. And you might go a few years later and go five years or whatever later and go, nothing's changing here this isn't changing i'm going to see the best fucking gurus and therapists in the world this is you know i'm doing everything you know why isn't everything anything changing like i dated white witches hoping i was gonna kind of cast a spell on me and shit i'd gone to see priests to get exorcisms and everything i did it fucking all right and then uh on my last time you know i was i was I was, guess it was the closest to, you know, lights out, you know, really on, on that last one. And, uh, yeah, I mean, something just popped in my head and I just thought, you know, what, what happens what happens after we die? And these, these things are still with me and I can't change it, you know. So I just, uh, I made a stand on my life and, and I moved back up and, and jumped back in the water and kind of that's how I kicked it all off, you know, for me. So, uh get started and you know it's it's like uh it's a sad subject i guess you know the whole suicide attempt and everything and it is like for anyone else but when i talk about it for myself i can't help but laugh and smile and stuff even when i'm on stage talking about it you know people are thinking what the fuck are you like laughing and smiling about it's a terrible subject you're talking about i'm like yeah but i think it's funny because 
I, I look at it and go, shit, thank fuck that I didn't end my life because then I wouldn't have been able to jump off balloons and shit, you know, like how cool is my life now? You know, so I kind of look at it in a different way. Like, again, just flip that narrative around of, of what it is. And, you know, and, and again, so going on how what how you programmed at early age and, um, you know, people say, you've got to just do one thing. You've got to be good at one thing and that's it, you know, and that, but for me, I'm like, I don't want to be fucking good at one thing. I want to be good at everything because that's what's programmed into me. It's programmed into travel. So instead of like fighting against it, I just go with the current. That's who I am, you know. I don't do one discipline of sports. You know? I'm never going to be a Red Bull athlete because I don't do one discipline of sports and I hate that, you know. They're like, can't you stick to one? I'm like, no, I don't want to. Why would I want to just do one when I can do so many and learn from so many as well, you know. My life's about experiences, not being the best in the world at one sport. It's about experiencing as much as I can while I'm here. So again, like why fight against that? You know, I've always done multiple disciplines of sports. So why change that? You know, that's who I am. That's how my body's built. And that's how I train for multiple disciplines. And that's what I want to do. You know, I don't want to just be a surfer. I don't want to just be a skateboarder. You know, I want to fly through the air. I want to dive to the great depths, holding my breath. You know, like it's all for me. It's all about experience, and um, I think you know that that's a big problem as well with, with people and people's health and everything. You know, they they listen to other people of how they should live their life without just going on a natural flow of, of who they are. You know, and it's and I remember like you know you you would know as well like. People, you know, that grow up and they want to be CEOs or something of a business, they get to like 65 and they get there and they're like, yeah, you're running the big company. And then they go, you know, I, I fucking never wanted to do this. I just wanted to travel and write a book or I just want to be whatever, you know, and going from like even in, in your country, look at Daniel Day-Lewis, one yeah. of the greatest actors of the world is, ah, fuck it, I just want to be a cobbler. Yeah, right? that's yeah. yeah. He just to fix people's shoes. Yeah. You know, he could be whatever and making ridiculous money from it, but you know, that's not what's going to bring him his happiness. That's not what his his dream was to be. You know, he did his acting thing. That was cool. He's made some money. Now, just give me his shoes and I'll fix them. You know, that's what I want to do. Yeah. So it's about trusting in yourself of what you want to do and and being able to go along and do that you know so i look kind of look at life so if we look at things like that like in a simple form i look at life that's in like four uneven quarters you know and that happens at different times in people's lives so say let's let's start out you know as a kid you know you're intuitive you want to explore everything and your thirst for knowledge and you see your box and it turns you into spaceships and helmets and it turns into everything else except the the toy truck that's inside you know it's everything and then you start understanding what people are saying, your parents are saying, and they're saying, oh, don't do that. Stop doing that. Oh, you're going to get hurt. Go over there. Stop doing this. Don't do that. So boundaries, boundaries, boundaries get put around you and stuff. Thinking, oh, shit, oh, I can't do that because this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And then you get to like a third part of your life where you start thinking, oh, you know, maybe I, that's not going to burn me if I run the bath by myself. Or maybe, you know, I can ride down the street on my bike by myself. Or maybe, you know, all these things you start and you think, oh, yeah, what my parents are saying is kind of like, that's not really true at all. You know, I've worked that out. So you start sort of dissecting things out of, of what's bullshit that's been told to you in your life. And whereas 
or what's important and not important for your life of who you are. You know what I mean? And then you get to like, say the last part where you kind of just drop everything out and you just go back to your intuitive way and you start doing things that you want and you want to do and you start exploring again. It's why like, I don't know if you've ever been over to the US, but that's why they sell so many RVs over there. You know, all those old people, they go, oh, we're just going to go and explore. We're selling a house. We're buying an RV. We're off we go, you know, because that's what's, what happens, you know, and that's not just me thinking this. This is what everyone does naturally. But really it's about understanding when you do that, you know, do you choose to do that in your 30s, 40s, or are you going to wait until life tells you to do that after you retired and this and that to do these things? You know, that's kind of how I look at it. And, and again, you know, like going back to that control, it's, you know, it's taking control and taking ownership of your own life, but it's also trusting in yourself and trusting in, you know, you're making the right choices and you're living the life that you want to live, no matter what that looks like, you know, for yourself, I think. Yeah, incredible, man. Yeah, you're right. And <clears throat> I just wanted to go back to some of those experiences you had in terms of the endurance events or the extreme events and and sort of how it contrasts with your own attempts of your, of your life or to end your life. And those extreme events are almost like bringing you to the edge of of life perhaps there's a there's a high risk that you may die even you know in these events you know that's that's a very real real risk so what's your sort of relationship now with with death when when it's such a a real risk when it comes to these extreme events because i'm pretty sure as well you've just jumped off a balloon you're not going to stop there so you're going to find something else you've probably found something already and you're going to continue pushing it towards um to tour towards the edge of, of life. And yeah, so I'm just, I'm very curious as to what your relationship is with, with death or do you ever sort of find yourself in those moments of the extreme sports thinking, fuck, you know, is this really worth it? I could die here. You've got a, you've got a kid, you've got a son, uh, you've got your life, potentially a whole long life ahead of you. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, you know, should I be doing this now? Um, you know, is it, is it time to, is it time to, uh, bring it down a couple of notches? <laughs> If that's if that's possible, so what? I'm very curious as to your relationship with with death when it comes to these events and and life in general. Well, I mean, if we go back to like uh, what I was saying a little bit ago, like I was programmed into my life that today could be the last day. You know, every time I went home as a kid, you know, I thought today would be my last day if I went home, basically. You know, and that was programmed into me. And you know, so I say I had four attempts on my life, but I probably had you know, more in the sense that you're talking about and what most people think that I do my events now for. Like, you know, there's plenty of times I was in, in the French Alps and go for double backflips on a snowboard off a cliff and just think, who gives a fuck? If I die, I die, you know? Like, but at the same time, it was more like, um, well, I'm not going to do it myself. You know, if I go, well, I go. You know, so it was kind of like suicide mission, like, but at the same time, I was building up all these skills because obviously I'm still here. So what I was doing was like, oh, fuck, hang on. I'm actually making these things, you know, that's cool. But now, like, again, you know, it's, it's the same thing, but I'm doing the same style of events and maybe even more, uh, let's say, dangerous events, you know, more risk-taking events. But again, that narrative's just flipped around. Like, you know, after the paddle, it went from, today could be my last day to, oh, shit, I'm here for another 50 or 100 years. You know, if 
what happened to me as a kid didn't kill me. Myself trying to take my own life didn't kill me. All these sharks didn't kill me. Fuck, I'm here for a long time. And so that's it. So for me, I think, like, I plan to live another 100 years but still live each day like it could be my last, you know, in the sense that the strongest of it is I'm here for a long time, you know, but I'm going to enjoy each day and I'm going to do what I want, you know. So we all die, you know. Life isn't limitless, you know, and these are these are three things. These are a couple of words that, you know, I've really had to look at in the last, let's say, year, two years of, and words that I used to always say in generic words that pretty much everyone says, oh, it's, you know, it's limitless what you can do. Life's limitless. But life isn't limitless. We'll die at some stage and we all have limitations on our lives, you know. But most people probably use about 5 to 20% of their limitations of whatever they're doing. And that, that limitation is because they have all these boundaries around them. You know, and then I used to say as well, and you would have heard as well, oh, you got to push the boundaries. You know, I always say, yeah, I'm pushing the boundaries. But really, it's not, it's not about pushing the boundaries at all because think of it, if you think there's a boundary and then you're going to go and do an event again and you push a boundary, you're pushing that same boundary. And if you don't keep working it, that boundary gets enclosed in you again. You've got to start again and start pushing that out again. You know, like... Let's say if you start rock climbing, you're in a rock climbing gym and at first you're like, holy shit, well, this is fucking a bit harder than I thought. And then a couple of days later, you're like, oh, yeah, this is all right. And a few more times, you're like, oh, yeah, this is cool. Then you don't do it for a couple of years. And you go back and you go, oh, shit, this is fucking hard again. Like, oh, am I getting old? What's happening here? You know, but that's that same. I look at it as that's that same boundary around you. It's enclosed again. So instead of like pushing the boundaries, I just say break the boundaries down because there's other ones there. You know, so the more you break it down, you think there's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of these boundaries that we've had on ourselves ever since we could understand what our parents were saying, any negative thoughts that were put into us of how we should not be living our life. Let's say they get layered upon layer upon layer. Everything about, you know, the social media, mental health, everything that gets put on gets self-doubt and negative thoughts put onto us as well around us. So they're more layers of boundaries. So for me, I look at it as about breaking the boundaries down. I break them down and they're gone. I break the next one down and they're gone. I break the next one down and they're gone. If something pops up, boom, pops up, break that fucking thing down. So for me, I look at it as such a wide open space. I was going on, on earlier you know, so I look, let's say, further than the horizon and widen my peripheral vision all the way around, 360 the way around me. You know, so I don't look at things at a negative at all. And like it's not, so it's exactly the same things that I'm doing, high risk events that I'm doing, but I have no doubt I'll do them. And I know I have no doubt because I do the work. You know, I train for it, I prepare myself. I dedicate myself, I sacrifice, you know, my life and everything. I turn my apartment into a gym with everything that I need in it. I live where I need to, to be able to perform any events that I've got coming up. And I'll just dedicate myself to it because, you know, it's not just a stunt. It's not just a hobby. This is my life. This is what I do, you know. So uh, it was interesting, really, this recent event, people have known me to do, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff over the years. and. Um, you know, I'd have people contacting me more more than any other on this one. They're like, can you just not do that first climb? You know, it's too high risk. It's totally unsafe. Like, 
you know, no one's done it before. This is like, there's only one option. You either do it or you're dead. Like, you know, there's no backing out, you know, of it. You know, I couldn't just stop halfway and go, shit, I'm scared I can't do it, you know, because I couldn't even get back in, you know, like, so I was either make it or, or not, you know. But at the same time, you know, I just trusted in myself. Like, I just have no doubt this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, I look at it as, you know, they're not me. They don't train like me. They're not dedicated like I am to do this, you know. And having all of those, you know, having all those voices and, and having all that time by myself as a, as a kid and also in, in the water, you know, um, not having the role models, having to work things out myself, you know, that's, that's become my superpower as well, you know, like so I'm able to just dissect everything that I've got coming up and I pull it all apart and I'll go, yeah, this is, this is how I need to do it, you know, and, and I have no doubt at all. Like I know that there's high risk and I may have a laugh sometimes with people and go, oh, yeah, I'll either make it or I fucking won't know, you know, but uh, about the same time, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not stupid either, you know, like I take calculated risks and it's just, you know, I, it's not like it would be different if the balloon event that I just did was like my first one, you know, but, you know, it wasn't my first rodeo, like that I've built myself up to be confident with that, mm-hmm. you know, for that challenge. And I've done part of it before. It already jumped off. So all that was new was I was up higher and I was doing that climb. So for most of it, I thought, well, I've already done it before, so I know what's going on with that. I've just got to do this this climb part, and it's only like seven minutes, you know, that I'm going to be under strain. You know, I've paddled oceans for 15 hours a day. I've skateboarded. I've ran marathons, carrying a mattress. I've, you know, like done all these other things. You know, I've just got to train for this and just work out what I need to do, mimic those movements, and go and do it. You know, and then most of the part of it is is you know, what I've created out of doing all of my events and being able to calm myself and, and you know, really just it's kind of like blood doping of, of how I breathe as well. You know, like I build up the all the red blood cells in me to create more oxygen and expand myself. My VO2 max is fucking off the chart and, you know, run fast and my heart rate barely goes up and everything. But that's all because of all the training that I've done, like in and that's on the land, that's, you know, free diving, holding my breath for four and a half minutes, diving down, it's jumping out of planes at 14,000 feet. There's, you know, all of those combinations of things. But everything I do, I don't just do it as like, hey, I'm going to do this cool thing. Like I process everything that I do as well and really dissect everything out. And again, you know, like that, that was looked at as such a negative uh, from, you know, traumatic moments you know, being internalised like that and it's always looked at as a negative. But for me, I'm like, well, if my mind's already working like that, how do I benefit from it? You know, so that's how I've looked at everything that I've gone through. You know, it's like how do I benefit from what's happened to me? You know, because I can't escape it. You know, as I said, you know, in the ocean, I accepted what had happened to me. But you can either accept it and go, okay, now I'm going to move on with my life but instead I went, all right, I'm going to accept everything that happened to me and how I used to deal with things, but how do I utilise that now? How do I use that as skills now? Because that's a whole lot of energy for so many years that I put into that. Let's, let's draw that energy so I can benefit from it, you know, if this is who I am, you know, and I've gone back to being an athlete, you know, going up and down and, and 
drug and alcohol abuse and everything, you know, massive benders for years on end, you know, taking everything under the sun. But at the same time, you know, every time I took acid, even as a kid, you know, I would process what was going on. Fuck, what am I seeing? You know, like, how am I doing this? I was always the one that everyone's always giggling and stuff on acid. Or laughing and that, I'd be the one who would go, right, I'm going to go into the shop and get a bottle of water. You know, like set myself little tests and challenges along the way. Like they'd come out and all the kids would be like, how could you go in there? Like, oh, I've got to, you know, like I've just always been like that, you know, testing and challenging myself. So even though it sort of seems like this is something new that I'm doing, I've always done it, Yeah, you know, but it's just now I'm, I'm understanding, oh, this is just who I am, so let's just, how do I benefit from this, you know, and then how can I learn, if this is what I'm doing and the way I'm going about things, all right, how do, can other people benefit from what I'm doing as well? Mm-hmm. You know, how do I get people to feel how I am where I'm not asking them to climb out of a balloon, but just go and do something with confidence of who they are and that trust. And that's all it is. It's just being able to build up that ultimate trust with yourself. And for me, that's what I've been able to do, you know, and, and I use my breath a lot with that, you know, and, uh, you know, I've learned a lot about the breath over, over the years as well and how that can control you as well. And, I've looked back at times in my life, even when I was six, freezing cold, naked in rock caves. You know, I used to use my breath to, to calm myself and warm myself and everything at, at the age of six. You know, that was before any Wim Hofs or anything were about back then, you know. But, and then, you know, through my fight career and everything, I'd stand up in between boxing rounds and just keep that calm breath while my heart was going crazy on the inside, but I'd calm myself down, you know. So I started to really look at those things of what I do as well, like, how I regulate myself with my breath. And then like a couple of, and then just when I thought, all right, yeah, I've got a good grasp of, of what the breath is and how it works and everything, um, keep myself calm and, and to change, you know, the narrative of what's going on of how I'm feeling, you know, then I get thrown a couple of spanners, which I love as well. Like even when I was learning the skydive, uh, I remember the first time I was thinking, yeah, fuck, I got this. This is going to be epic. You know, I haven't jumped out of a plane before, but fuck, this is going to be cool. I did my first jump on myself with two instructors either side. Awesome. Get up to 14,000 feet and I'm starting to sweat and I'm like shallow breathing and it's hard to breathe. And I'm like, shit, like, what's, oh, fuck, what's going on here? And I was like, why am I panicking? Like, this should be fun for me. Like, I don't understand why I'm panicking. I'm visualizing this in my head that it was going to be super fun. Like, what am I freaking out about? What what does my body know that I'm not seeing right now? Like, what, where's the danger here? What's happening? And I jumped out of the plane and it was just a fucking mess. And anyway, landed on like, shit, that was hectic. Then went back up for my second jump. And uh, I was same thing. I was like shallow breathing. I was sweating. I was like feeling like I'm having this panic attack. I was like, fuck, I don't understand what's going on. And then I get down to the ground and I was like, ah, I'm not having a panic attack. It's a fucking high altitude. It's playing with me. Mm-hmm. But for me, because I hadn't experienced that being up in a plane like that in that high altitude, my subconscious just recalled all the times in my life I'd been into a panic and made my mental side of things think I was panicking just because that's how my body was reacting in that same sort of scenario, right? So that was super interesting for me. I was like, fuck. 
all right, I knew that everything was all connected, but here it is right in front of me of how it's connecting and how our subconscious is fucking plays with us, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, then I was over in, uh, in Mexico and I was free diving. I'm going down, holding my breath, you know, no, no scuba stuff, just hold my breath and down I go. And I was like, I'd get down a certain way and I'll <laughs> fucking climb up. And I was thinking, oh, what's going on? Why can't I get down, you know? What's happening? Why can't I panic there? And I was thinking, fuck. I'm used to, like, whenever I get into that sort of state, like, I'm used to just calming myself down with my breath. I'm like, fuck, I'm, I'm underwater. I can't take that breath. I can't breathe. What's happening, you know? So it was quite interesting. And then I was like, finished day one. And I was okay at it. Not very good, really, but okay. And then the next day when I was out there, I had that um, mental side of things. I was like, uh, uh, so I've just, I've just got to simulate in my body of taking a breath without taking a breath. So it's about having the connection to the breath that you don't need to breathe, right? So that's gone even fucking deeper again, you know? So being able to put your body and your mind into that state of calming through your breath and relaxing the shoulders, the back, the legs, the arms, the limbs, like you've just had this beautiful exhale, but not have one and then continue on down, you know? So really being able to calm yourself that way. So here's three different scenarios like, Here's me exerting myself on the land, you know, running or whatever and being able to calm my breath and up up high as well. Now, like down below, you know, so three major scenarios like with my breath, but all for the same purpose, mm-hmm. you know, with it. But it's also, you know, and then that's the more you do that and the more you think about that, then the more you can use that in different parts of your life. So I hear so many people say, oh, you know, I've got, I've got a business life, I've got a family life, I've got a fitness life, and I've got a life myself. You know? But really, it's just one life. They're just job tasks that we do along the way. But what? because people separate them out, they think they need to learn how to deal with the stress at work, how to deal with, they think it's a different stress at home and different stress when they're physical training or different stress when they're trying to do something for themselves. Instead of understanding it's just stress, mm-hmm. it's all fucking same. It's trauma. It's all the same. You, you want the same, same outcome no matter what's going on, you know? So that's why, you know, like the physical side of like fitness is, is so good and, and so underestimated in like a same mental health sort of way, you know? Like I believe it's better than any meditation and any yoga and any ice bath and anything. And the reason is, is because it's results driven. You know, we work towards getting fitter, faster, stronger, mm-hmm. and we keep ourselves accountable with measurable results to get to a goal. You know, we want to lose 10 pounds or we want to put on 10 pounds or we want to lift X amount, you know. We pin load, move the pin down, we're getting stronger. We know we are. We can see we are. But we work towards that. With most meditations, ice baths, yogas and all that, and I'm not taking anything away from them at all. You know, people have do whatever they're from, from them, you know. But for me, I'm always results driven, you know. And to me, they just seem like that they're, it's reading the same page of a book every time you go. You're going to get better at it. You're going to understand it more, but you're not progressing anymore, you know. And the guides, the coaches, whoever they are, practitioners, they're, they're just guiding you along on the same thing every time you go there they're not working on a progressive level as well. They're not changing like your, 
um, the natural. Your whole nervous system, your natural breathing system, you know, you're still breathing the same out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's um, so for me, I really looked at those things as well. And I mean, I've had the luxury of, of facilitating over 300 wellness retreats around the world and being able to sit there and really listen and watch what's going on, you know. And there's a, you know, wellness retreats, fitness retreats, um, vegan retreats, yoga retreats, everything all over the world, in Thailand, Bali, Tulum, US, everywhere. So, but for me, it's, you know, not so much about talking so much, even though I talk a lot now, but it's really about listening, you know, when I'm in those scenarios and to see how people are reacting over the week that they're there, you know, what are they getting out of it and what are they not getting out of it and, and what are they seeing to, you know? And, um, yeah, there's like very few sort of yoga instructors that are there to share. And I, that's what I think people should be doing, you know, like, you know, I grew up, you know, as a trainer, training myself and personal trainer or other people before like mobile phones were in, you know, before all these coaches were filming their clients more so than watching their clients, you know, and it was really just about sharing your knowledge, you know, sharing what you knew to get a result for that person you know, and be results driven for that person. But now it just sort of seems like, you know, they're, just want to show what they can do. Most yoga instructors show what they can do, you know, and for something that's supposed to be non-judgmental or non-intimidating is fucking judgmental and intimidating for people. They're like, shit, I don't want to go. She's too bloody good. So if we, she shouldn't, they shouldn't make you feel that way. You know, we don't, you know, like as a trainer, I don't expect people to go and run 25 Ks or lift 150 kilos you know, you work with what who they are and what their capabilities are and you build them up. But at the same time, you know, for, for me as a coach anyway, like my aim when I'm coaching someone is to have, if I'm here, I want them up here. You know, I'm there to push them up, not mm-hmm. to go, hey, look how fucking great I am. Look what I can do. Oh, you can't. Oh, you're going to stay back there. It's like, nah, like if I run with someone, I run just behind them. You know, like move along and make them feel great. Or if I, they say, you can take off for a bit, I take off and I swing around and I come back with them and join with them again. And we start running again, you know, like, and that's, how, that's kind of how it should be. I and mean, that's how you start progressing people along. But so I think there's a lot, you know, it's just, there's a lot that's outdated and uh, just outdated, incomplete, commercialized in that whole sort of wellness sense. And there's a lot of people that are, Doing these practices, which is great, you know, it's a good start for them, but most people don't actually know why they're doing No one knows why they're oh, Well, I wouldn't say no one, but I would say 95% of people have fucking no idea why they're having an ice bath, except that it's a challenge to have an ice bath. Yeah. yeah. That's it, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from Wim Hof. He's a fucking incredible guy, you know, and to have the ice baths is, you know, it, is very valuable as long as you know why you're doing it. If you're doing it for muscle recovery, that's one thing. But if you're doing it, you think that you're overcoming stress and trauma and bettering your life and wellness and everything, you need to really have a look at fucking why you're doing it, you know? So my sort of thing, my take on that, on that side of things is you have ice baths so you don't have to have ice baths. Mm-hmm. You have an ice bath for three minutes every fucking week, you're not doing anything different. You know what I mean? You should be able to understand, like, once you can stay in there for three minutes, then you've succeeded in it. Now you need to know what you did to yourself to calm yourself down from the first time that you could only last 15 seconds to now you can last three minutes. When you're like, <laughs> God, it's cold, it's cold, it's cold, thinking about all these other things to calming yourself from sitting down, 
and no one has fucking it's still the same temperature as when you got in and it could only last 15 seconds, but now you can last three minutes. But knowing and then it's understanding how you transform that to every single side of your life. You know, whether you're in road rage, someone's yelling at you, you're in a fight at the pub, whatever it is, it's all exactly the same. How do you keep calm, you know? How do you not overstimulate your body and your mind and your emotions by what's going on around you and in your head and just be fucking calm, but in the moment still, you know? Give that time back to yourself no matter what's going on in front of you. I think that's kind of, that's what we all sort of need to learn, isn't it? I think, you know? Yeah. How we say calm. Yeah. Is that... You, you're wearing that T-shirt, One Breath Meditation. I thought that's where you were maybe going with this. So <clears throat> can you tell us about the One Breath Meditation? What is What exactly? Well, is- I, didn't mean, I honestly didn't mean to. <laughs> but I noticed when I started saying it, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and yeah. I, just, like, here comes, here, I was like, here comes the plug. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. So I didn't even, didn't even mention I'm sorry about that. It's all, no, it's all, uh, it's all good. Look, I mean, that's essentially what it is. You know what I mean? That, that's what I created. It's, it's One Breath Meditation of... You know, you don't need 20 minutes time out. And obviously, if I'm climbing up a hot air balloon, you know, I can't just go, fuck, I'm freaking out. Let me take 20 minutes. I'm going to fucking meditate and I'm going to come back to this. You know, I've got life and death split decisions to make and I've got to do it in one breath. So if we go on like what I was saying with the with the recall of the, um, like when I was in the aeroplane and my body naturally went into a recall of, different negative situations that happened in my life that made my body feel like that in a, in a panic state. So instead it recalls, and this is what I do every time I go into an event or even in like um, for my most recent one as well, you know, just that minute before the breath that I draw in and breathe out, it's a recall of not every time that I'd succeeded or achieved something in my life, but you know, that moment, you know, that moment, that you know you've succeeded at something and it's that breath just before you vocalize, yes, you know, it's kind of like that internalized relief. Yes. And then that, that buildup that you share out with everyone else, you know, wow. But that moment, that's the moment for me. I think that's that special moment. There's two special moments when, you, when you're doing something exciting. And this could be like in business, in relationships, in, in a challenge, physical challenge. It's that, that breath and that moment you go, I'm going to fucking do this. And you get started. And that moment you succeed right there and then, you know, just before that cheer. Yeah. Like you could be finishing a marathon and you're like struggling and struggling and struggling. You know, there's one kilometer going, you talking to yourself thinking, fuck, oh, I've just got to stop. I've got to stop. And then all of a sudden you see that finish line and you know, yes, I fucking got this. And you take those extra couple of steps and the arms start going up. You start running fast and you're cheering and woo, you're going on. But that moment, you know that you succeeded. In it. So essentially that's what one breath meditation is. It allows you to have that recall of that moment. So whenever I go into something like, say, the balloon launch, the balloon climb and stuff, you know, that's what I breathe in, you know, those, those moments, you know, those incredible moments that instead of having doubts, fuck, if I, otherwise I could have gone, fuck, what am I doing? 
look how high it is. This is crazy. I, like, I built this ladder in my lounge room. I'm not an engineer. What's going on here? Fuck, is it even going to last? Like, fuck, oh, I haven't tested any of this out. I've tested none of the safety equipment out. Is this harness even right? Fucking hell, like, shit. Like, and then start thinking about all the times, fuck, I failed at business. Am I going to fail at this? I, I didn't finish that race. I, I didn't finish when I ran around Thailand. Fuck, how, how do I know I can do this? Oh, my God, I had a bad relationship with that girlfriend. Fuck, is that going to be on this? And that's essentially what people run through their heads subconsciously before they go into some, into a lot of their things. They chuck all this self-doubt on where I don't. Like, my recall is all the fucking awesome things that have gone on in my life. I'm like, ah. So instead, but it's not like I need to think about these things. For me, they're already there because I'll have that connection with it and I've opened myself up to being wider, you know. But at the same time, you know, when you go through like the program of it, it's a five-step progressive program. You know, it works towards something. Like, for instance, as part of it, level, level one, I mean, most people breathe between nine and 11 breaths per minute. And that's how it starts off, like on level one. But on level five, you know, you're walking at a faster pace than you were in level one, but you're taking four breaths per minute, mm-hmm. you know, and with, that, with ease, nothing forced, you know. So to me, that says, you know, you're creating, you're bringing in more oxygen and you're slowing down, like your, your nervous system and everything's slowing down. You're consciously slowing everything down, which is calming everything else around you, which is how I'm able to do what I do, you know, and it's, it's proven. I prove it again and again and again with people saying it's fucking impossible. I go, well, I'll just do what I do and that's it, you know, and, but again, you know, it works on that progressive level, level one, you know, I walk for 15 minutes and each at the end of like, you know, little guided meditational type things that we do in it, then each level at the end, you walk for 15 minutes, but walk a further distance each time in that 15 minutes. So you pick a distance, so you walk from the start of the same spot, but each time you walk to a further distance, but you're staying in that same calm breath. So you're progressing along, but still staying calm, you know, until the last on level five, you run up the hill and you stay calm as well. You know, so it's walk progressing along. But also like, what I see is a, is a big problem with, let's say, commercialized meditation, what people do. People got to find a quiet place. They find their mat. They close their eyes. They have their Tibetan bells going and they get in that zone. Life's not like that. It's so far removed from when we need it. You know, when we need it isn't quiet. It's fucking noisy. It's noisy in our head. It's noisy in front of us as well. So... Why wouldn't we train ourselves for that, mm-hmm. you know? And like sharing with your listeners now, like if you do meditation, start by doing the same thing that you're doing with your meditation, just open your eyes. Open your eyes and go through the whole guided meditation, the whole app that you use or whatever it is, and just open your eyes. Then get yourself some, some headphones or whatever, do, go through the whole meditation and just go for a walk. So now you're creating movement to it as well. Then have it without that, but have it in your head, you know, the thoughts of it. So you start earning it, start earning the words yourself, you know, to be able to move forward as well. And then you don't need them as well. You can start putting your own into it. So then that way 
you're not borrowing words from someone else to help get you through. And you're not reliant on those words and that voice and that app to get you through something. You're bringing it back onto yourself, that you own yourself. It's the same as like positive affirmations as well. You know, positive affirmations, they're great and they make you feel good. You read them on social media and everything, you relate to them, you go, oh, fuck, yeah, it's like they read it for me. Oh, it's made me feel good. And then something happens, you're like, oh, fuck, where'd that positive affirmation go? That's fucking gone. The reason is because it's borrowed from someone else who's probably borrowed it from someone else. No one's fucking, no one owns it. And you sure as hell don't own it from your own breath. So you've got no connection to it for it to stay within you. But everyone has their own positive affirmations and everyone has something that they've succeeded at in life to be able to keep them going. Whether it's ran, they've ran 10Ks and then they haven't for 10 years and they get started and they struggle with 1K, they can go, fuck, I've ran 10Ks. What's going on here? Fuck it. I'm going to run fucking 10Ks. Fuck this, you know. It's going to hurt, but I'm going to fucking, I've done it before, I'm going to do it again. There's a little positive affirmation, you know, a little pep talk to yourself of something that you've done, you can visualise that you've done before in your life that you own yourself. It's not borrowed from anyone else. You know, again, it brings it back to yourself and who you are. And the more you do this, the more you build up that trust within yourself to be able to succeed and to be able to not need anyone, you know? Sure, we all need people around us and it's cool. We have to have social interaction and everything for our energy and all that. But to really get us through the, the tough times and the struggles right there and then when we need it, you know, we don't need to go to the pub. We don't need to see someone else. We don't need to go see a specialist. We don't need to drink. We don't need to do this. We, we've got ourselves. We know we're going to get through it, you know. And we've all been through fucking tough times. And I've spoken about a couple of mine. And sure, you know, yeah, yeah, the listeners have been through some, some tough times themselves in life. And, you know, I'm sure some of those tough times have thought, fuck, I'm never going to be able to get through this. You know, my life's fucked. You know, how can I get through it? You know, if it was the love of my life or whatever it was, you know, I've lost my kids or whatever, you know, something pretty traumatic. But, you know, they're probably still here, you know. Hopefully they're still here and they're still kicking on and, and they're starting to live a good life again, you know. So instead of saying, yeah, shit, that was a shit time in my life, it's kind of like just flip it around and go, fuck, yeah, I got through that. That was cool. You know, fuck, what was going to break me, that one? But, you know, that's that's cool. So again, you know, we can't change what happens to us or like the path that we're setting. It's just changing the narrative around it. It's flipping it around to be of benefit for us, you know. And the more we can do that, the more, and again, I was speaking to someone today, wants me to talk at this uh, men's mental health week thing. And I uh, said, do you mind if I like say things different to other people? He's like, what do you mean? I said, because... I don't think it should be called mental health. And he's like, oh, why? What do you call it? And I said, well, it's just, shouldn't it just be like daily health, you know? And it's really just takes it away from it, you know? It takes that pressure off it, you know, of mental, when you think mental health, you think, fuck, you know, that, that's quite heavy on people when they're talking about it. But when you're talking about people, you know, and that's how I, I prefer to talk to people about it. It's so, like, oh, you know, you just change your, your healthy habits. You know, the same as people, there was a question put, got put up today and social media, someone asking, oh, tell us what the hardest part of, of a diet is. 
And I was just going to come out and say, well, the word diet, you know, that's the biggest problem. Again, you know, like, it's not really a diet. You're just changing what the difference of what you're chucking your trolley at the supermarket. Yeah. You're still doing everything exactly the same, aren't you? People go, it's fucking so hard. I'm like, how's it hard? You're still going to the supermarket. You're still buying food. You're still chucking your trolley. You're still coming home and cooking it. You're just chucking different things in your trolley. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You're just changing that habit. You people know, it's put, like people, yeah. People put up barriers where there do, doesn't need to be any. You know, that's these. They don't need to be there. Yeah, and it's because I mean, it's because of society and peers and everything. Everyone, you know, everyone just uses generic words that get thrown around. Like I said, you know, with, with limitless and pushing boundaries, you know, you know, they're just generic words that get put onto us and and um, mindfulness and stuff like that. You know, but it's kind of like mindlessness is what we're really after, isn't it? We want to get rid of a bit of that fucking noise. You know, on mind full, we want to mind less. We want yes, yeah, to smell yeah. it a little bit, you know. But again, you know, like they're supposed to be sort of positive words, but they've got such a negative uh, pressure put on them as well, you know, the whole mental health and and uh, diets and, and all that sort of stuff. So for me, it's just about, yeah, just flipping that script around, you know, just changing that, that narrative and getting rid of that inner critic that keeps telling you and giving you these uh, negative thoughts and everything and just change the narrative to, you know, looking at it, what, how can you benefit from it, even out of the shit situation, mm. you know, it's... Uh, yeah, take the power back. Yeah, for sure, man. That's take the power back, yeah. Good stuff, man. And uh, what's next for yourself? What's next for Damien Ryder? Uh, I've always got a lot coming up, you know, like, as I said, you know, it's uh, the event that I just did was like fucking, you know, it's an epic and, and uh, monumental moment in my life and everything. But the same thing, it's not like my whole goal like, is to jump off a balloon, you know. For me, it's just a stepping stone and it's just a, you know, a little tick to be able to keep on going to where I'm going, you know, like I've already got everything planned going up ahead and I work methodically and, you know, I just just tick those boxes along the way and keep working towards it. So, I mean, there's a few things that are coming up, a few cool projects and, uh, but, you know, at the same time, I just keep my eyes and ears open and see what else sort of tickles my fancy along the way as well. Brilliant, man. Yeah, well, I look forward to seeing more of your journey as it evolves and where can the listeners tune in and check you out too where's the best place to find you uh just on my social media on instagram is probably the best you know just damien Ryder, just cool. chucking that or, or facebook or whatever yeah i'll have it in the show notes below so go check it out and yeah become fucking inspired so yeah and if anyone wants to reach out like i, I reply to everyone sometimes like if i've got a film guy on national geographic i get about fucking ten thousand messages but i reply to every one of them i don't have anyone else do it or anything you know i give people right. that respect of replying to them and uh guide them along a little bit you know so yeah anything i do to help to anyone no problems i appreciate that man that's uh yeah that's epic thank you so much for your time here i know you're really busy yeah, uh, it's been an absolute honor and I'm absolutely psyched after this. I'm going to go and smash another workout pretty soon, I think, after this. Yeah, thank you, man. Limitless. Yeah, awesome. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Warrior Podcast. If this episode has added value to your life, please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight, information, and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep 
fighting the good fight.